Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Caged In Pigcast, the unofficial accompaniment podcast to Michael Zarnowski's Pig. So far in the series, I have spoken to editor Brett Buckman, writer and producer Vanessa Block and actor David Nell. As for this week's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking to chef Chris Zarnecki, who, if you've seen the like neon little promo video that they've put out taught nick how to look like a chef for this movie and it's his mum's recipe that was used that fantastic mushroom tart we get in the first act of this film we do go into some light spoilers so if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet please do be sure if you're in the us you can currently rent it on all vod platforms and in the uk we only have a week to wait it will be out on the 20th of August in cinemas. There's also some technical difficulties with this episode. Some of the audio was slightly lost, but you don't miss out on too much. Obviously, we recorded over Zoom, so these things do happen. But be rest assured, there's some great stuff in there. separates you from every other art form because the person, the customer, is ingesting the art, and that, to me, is a lot more pressure than a painting because they're taking it home with them and they're going to sleep with it. Exactly. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by chef-owner of the Joel Palmer House restaurant, Oregon native, and cooking consultant on Pig. Chris Zarnecki, how are you, Chris? Excellent. How are you today? I'm I'm very well. I'm I'm excited to be talking it's to 11, you. It's eleven a.m. where I am. Where are you Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm calling in from the UK. So the time here is seven p.m. So not too bad. I've, I've had a uh, worse time zones 
to deal with. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, one of the things I wanted to speak about, first of all, was um, obviously from looking up the Joel Palmer and, um, you know, on your site, it says that it's very much been a family business, like cooking. Was that always something you wanted to get into, or were you, like, reticent to become a chef yourself? Well, you know, to the next question, truth be told, uh, you know, hanging out in the bar at my parents' restaurant back in Reading, Pennsylvania, you know, in the third grade, the fourth grade, I was always enchanted by the ballet, the, the dance that goes on, you know, the communication between front and back, you know, seeing servers move quickly, but quietly, uh, seeing how everybody had their, their role, and their place, and, and you know, all work together to create this elaborate, you know, excellent dining experience in the fine dining world. And yeah, it was definitely a chanting, not to mention getting to go to some of the world's best restaurants and get, you know, watching dad get treated like a celebrity. (laughs) So that was, that was definitely entertaining, but, but, you know, honestly, I did not get into it because I love to cook. I got into it because I love to eat. (laughs) And uh, I figured, you know, I could figure out the skills along the way. Mm -hmm. So when I came home from the army, uh, actually it was home on leave from Iraq that my parents said, Hey, we're making our five, 10 year plan. Do you want to join us in the restaurant? And so I jumped on it and here I am 15 years later. <laughs> how, how do you, um, I don't know, like obviously the, the skills you would have learned, like being in the army and stuff like that. Do you think that kind of helped you for that? Like, I don't know, like the kind of the discipline it sometimes takes to be in a kitchen has that has that kind of helped you in some regards to the oh for sure yeah i mean i'll, I'll keep a joke with people once in a while and say nothing prepares you for the restaurant business like having served in a combat zone yeah <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know yeah you do learn to eat a lot of shit in the army you know <laughs> i don't know if this is a rated podcast or not but it's that a lot of people tend to get really worked up about um you learn how to pick your battles so to speak um and it allows you to, you know, really focus on the really important things in life. And I think my fellow veterans will attest to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, yeah, what is your family's history with restaurants? Obviously it's multi-generational, right? Yeah. So the original Joe's restaurant opened uh, in 1916 in Reading, Pennsylvania. It was in a, a Polish part of town serving Polish, you know, uh, working men and Uh, run by my great-grandparents who were, you know, Polish immigrants. When my grandparents took over, they were the Francophiles. They were the ones in love with French fine dining. And my grandfather was an amateur mycologist. Uh, He was the guy who the local hospitals would call if a toddler ate a mushroom off off the front lawn (laughs) and poison control needed it identified. So uh, when my parents took over in 1975, they, uh, they said, all right, well, Instead of being a Polish-French fusion restaurant, you know, this is decades before the term fusion cooking ever yeah. thing, um, they said, let's, let's not be an Italian restaurant, let's not be a French restaurant, Polish restaurant, steakhouse, let's be a mushroom restaurant. Amazing. And let's maintain the fine dining theme. And but by being a mushroom restaurant, that allowed them the freedom to pull ingredients from all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom's half German, so I'm the fourth generation to be running the restaurant but the first one not to be 100 percent polish <laughs> and uh you know we use elements from all over the world you know chinese five spice on our duck you know we use uh, foie gras we use you know main lobster uh, you know we use curry in our quinoa uh and it's fun having that kind of freedom and tying it all back to mushrooms in some way or another even in our desserts and cocktails so i guess one of the things that is um big in in the film pig and obviously 
you, you may have some knowledge on as well, is truffles. Um, not to sound ignorant here, and obviously anyone who's listening, what is a truffle? Truffle is a fungus, mm-hmm. but it's not a mushroom. Oh. Um, truffles form a uh, mycorrhizal relationship with the trees. It's a symbiotic relationship where uh, trees that have truffles associated with, with their roots are known to grow taller faster. You know, if you've seen the movie that just came out recently, uh, Fantastic Fungi, they go into great depth about how the uh, the microorganisms and the fungus in particular have such a huge impact on the biodiversity and the health of the soil and the environment in which things grow. You know, winemakers have known this for a long time, knowing that uh, not using pesticides and allowing nature to do its thing and work its magic actually makes more interesting, more complex wines. So the truffle spores are spread a lot like seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not very uh, magical or romantic, but <laughs> rodents will do their thing. They'll smell the delicious truffle. They'll go through the digestive system. The rodent goes to somewhere else in the woods, does his business. And then those, those truffle spores will attach themselves to the young roots of the tree, the youngest roots, which uh, follow the path of least resistance often towards the surface. Mm-hmm. And then that bond happens and they start feeding each other. Amazing. So, um... Then, yeah. And then after a few weeks, you get you get truffles. What is it that is so special about truffles? Would you say? Oh, what's so special about chocolate? How do you describe <laughs> something yeah. if you've never tasted it? Right? How do you just des- how would you describe what chocolate smells and tastes like? You can't. There's yeah. nothing else to compare it to. And the same is true with truffles. Unfortunately, uh, they have managed to duplicate those primary compounds and create truffle oil, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is one of the things that you know Gordon Ramsay and other chefs will rail against, <laughs> so overused. But once you smell a, a real, properly ripened truffle for the first time, a real one, yeah, it's it's pretty mind changing. And is is the depiction of truffle hunting in the film? Is that how it's still done today? It is just a man out in there in the woods just hunting for those bad boys not at all well i mean yes and no (laughs) Uh, mostly pigs are not used anymore um uh, and the director writer uh, michael sarnowski he basically said yeah we knew that but come on pigs are cuter (laughs) sometimes and and they made it for a little more romantic and that's cool uh no predominantly dogs are used and uh you know oftentimes no animals are used uh he wasn't lying when he said he just knows where to find them yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's reading the trees per se in a mystical sort of way, but uh, it is true that if you know what kind of trees to look for uh, in the right type of uh, climate and environment, uh, you don't need an animal to find them. As long as you're careful not to destroy the roots of the trees that the truffles are growing on. Amazing. So, yeah, obviously you mentioned Michael Zarnowski there. Um, when were you brought on to, to the film? I want to say it was about 2018 that Vanessa Block and Michael Zarnowski reached out to us. And I think it was, gosh, me, my brother, both my parents and them just sat down at uh, their dinner table and just started talking mushrooms and truffles. (laughs) Um, And it was one of those things where here we are, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, Dayton, Oregon, right? It's like, okay, Hollywood's coming to town. We didn't really get our hopes up much. And, uh, I think at one point, uh, at least one other actor's name came up because they were pretty nice about reaching out once in a while and just saying, hey, here's how the progress is going. Uh, but then once the, once we found out that uh, Nicolas Cage was starring, um, we were like, oh, I think I've heard of him before. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and so we got excited. And, uh, October of 2019 is when he came into town to do the filming. 
So what was, like, obviously you're, yeah, Vanessa said you're a consultant on the film and I spoke to her. So what did that entail with, with, with your role on the film? Well, it started off with uh, talking a lot about my mom's three mushroom tart mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. It uh, uh, comes on the screen as rustic <laughs> mushroom tart. That's all right. Not everybody knows who Heidi is. And um, yeah, so the converse pre Nicolas Cage was just a lot about, you know, yeah, sending the recipe, you know, what kind of mushrooms, where can we find the mushrooms sort of thing. And of course, more talk about truffles in general. And then, uh, well, he was supposed to spend a whole day in the kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, and he was supposed to have spent some time uh, in a kitchen of another chef he knows. So I was expecting him to have some knowledge of, you know, how to slice an onion, things like mm-hmm. that. And uh, that was one of the first questions I asked. I said, "All right, did you get your pre-training time?" And he's like, "Oh no." It's like, "Okay, <laughs> we're starting from scratch." <laughs> and I, I laid right into him too. I was like, "You wash your hands. You got to roll your sleeves up." Um, you know, just little things about cleanliness and you're walking behind somebody, you know, call behind, you know, uh, I had not read the script at that point. And so I didn't know how much time was going to be spent in a kitchen or, or, or cooking, but I was going to treat him like I would anybody else off the street. Here's, here are the do's and don't do's of working in a kitchen. Uh, in fact, I said to him earlier, I was like, <clears throat> have you ever seen, uh, Julia and Julia about Julia Child, you know, yeah. that, uh, book that got turned into i was like do what she did go buy a whole sack of onions take it back to your hotel room get a knife and a cutting board from fred meyer and just start practicing amazing you know and uh, i don't know if he didn't end up doing that either but <laughs> at the end of the day uh during the filming i've joked about this before um but <laughs> i was adamant about using the claw method you know when you're hold, you hold the food here yep. and you slice here so that you know you're not taking your fingertips off and yeah. I don't know if there's ever going to be some cool behind the scene footage because they filmed that whole day in the kitchen. I was like, you know, this is how you can do it. And then I can, you can look away, you can keep doing your thing and you're not have to worry about chopping fingers off. And I think he got it. I think it clicked. <laughs> but the next day when I was on set, he, uh, he had some mushrooms that my brother had picked that day and he takes the knife and he starts banging away. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to be the worst culinary consultant in the world. He didn't learn a thing. Uh, but thankfully, that did not make it into the film. And the one half second shot that only a food nerd like me would notice uh, is that he was, in fact, holding the mushrooms correctly as he was chopping them. You mentioned about that behind the scenes stuff. I know that Neon recently put out a clip that is, this morning. yeah, yeah, you and Nick in the kitchen, like, um, and obviously one of the things you talk about is the kind of artistic nature of food. Like what other kind of things were you talking about with, with, with Nick in regards to food? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, number one, yeah, we are putting food into people's bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be cognizant of all the safety issues revolving around that. And talking about, I mean, artistically speaking, uh, I don't know about you, but I want my food hot. I mean, cold food's cold, obviously, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a reason why chefs have become famous for, you know, yelling and screaming. It's because your reputation is on the line with every single plate that crosses the line. Mm-hmm. So doing it safely, uh, getting food out hot, uh, not only do you want it hot, but you also don't want your sauce drying up and getting ugly. You don't want your flowers wilting underneath the heat. He kind of talked about, um, <laughs> but, you know, he was definitely starting to get the vibe of, the heart and soul that goes into it. Yeah. You know, he talks a little bit more. His, you, you see his light, his eyes light up when he got to taste something he helped create. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, it may not have been his recipe, whatever, but 
he had his hand in it. And as any cook, home cook, professional chef will tell you, uh, there's there's nothing quite like the sensation of tasting something delicious that you created. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I've kind of cooked a meal, even if it's just following a recipe, and I think you get that sense, especially if it's something, I don't know, you've over time learned or it becomes your dish, as it were. Like you get that great, like overwhelming sense of achievement when when you cook a dish, and it's, um, yeah, it's just so special. Uh, well, I guess what one of the other things that this film deals with, in a way, is the gentrification of Portland. Obviously, as a uh, like living in Oregon, like how do you how how do you perceive that for like how how the film deals with that, like and how does the the kind of restaurant scene play into that for you? Well, I would say for better and for worse, mm-hmm. uh, Portland restaurant scene has mostly avoided that gentrification. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my guests do dine at Michelin restaurants all over the world, you know, for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they expect a certain level of quality food and a certain level of quality service. But one thing you're not going to find in Portland is, you know, stuffy waiters with, you know, tuxedos and bowing and, yeah. white gloves and all the nonsense that go, can go into, uh, you know, the ultra, you know, fine dining scene. Portland is all about the food. Yes. You know, there's a lot of great chefs, but it's not stuffy at all. Um, you know, I would say the only downside to that is it's almost too casual. Some people do like a more formal environment, yeah. you know, where, uh, you know, the waiters aren't squatting down at the table and saying, <laughs> how, you, how are you guys doing today? Yeah. You know? They want there to be a certain amount of professional distance in their dining experience. So as far as like gentrification goes, I can't speak to, uh, you know, zoning and construction and stuff, <laughs> but at least as far as the restaurant scene is concerned, Portland is a really laid back city. Amazing. Um, and another thing that the film deals with uh, is the kind of passion that chefs have. Like h- how well do you think it kind of captures that? Cause it obviously deals with that thing that how important food is and kind of, what it can yeah what it can do to people like what's your takeaway from the film on that on that regard i don't know i don't really know how they did it but they hit the nail right on the head (laughs) honestly you know what's the line you know you only get so many things to really care about yeah you know you do really sink your heart and soul into this and whether you choose to do it for the rest of your life or not you do take it with you Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life and you know, his, Nick's character is, you know, traumatized by factors outside the restaurant industry. I don't know if that's made really clear in the movie, but, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but he didn't leave the restaurant industry. But he left the restaurant industry for a specific reason. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, but getting back to your point, yeah, you really do have to sink your heart and soul into it. That's both the pleasure and the challenge of doing it. Oh, definitely. Um, and... <laughs> I guess I guess I need I need to ask ask this question. I'd be uh, is is there a um, hidden fight club that runs in Portland just for chefs? <laughs> Not that I know of. <laughs> um, but who knows? Keep Portland weird is what they say. You, you never know. Yeah, I think as I said to um, Vanessa Block, with that kind of aspect of it, it does it does capture the kind of I don't know. Every time I've worked in a the kitchen, there is this certain mania to chefs do you know what I mean you've almost got to be crazy enough to do it so I guess that's like a, a very artistic way of 
showing how, how they kind of l- would let off steam at the end of a. Oh, did you say artistic or autistic? Art, 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 artistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you meant. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we often joke about, you know, all being a bunch of ADD, ADHD people. Yeah. And, you know, Anthony Bourdain's book, Kitchen Confidential, yeah. you know, gives a great insight into the, also the not so great parts, the drugs, the, you know, all the craziness that can go into it. But, I mean, shit, man, you're talking about 12 hour days, potentially 100, 130 degree kitchens, humidity, yeah. you know, tough environments, you know. It, you can, you can understand why you have to be of a certain mindset in order to live that way for such a long time. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so I guess, yeah, like, well, what, yeah, what, what is it like, what was it about that specific dish that, that they, that Michael and like Vanessa said, well, did they kind of sort out that dish or were you, were you asked to kind of pitch a dish that, that Rob would cook in the film? And I don't remember, actually. I don't know. I don't remember which came first. Did the, <clears throat> did we recommend that dish or did they find it and ask about it? I don't know. It's a chicken or the egg scenario. <laughs> um, but it is it is fitting for, you know, uh, the character he's portraying for sure. I mean, it's an earthy dish. It's my mom's dish. It's yeah. one we've been serving since the mid 80s, I'd say. And uh, really fundamentally has not changed since then. Amazing. And, uh, it's one of our classics, never coming off the menu. Perfect. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, if any uh, US listeners are listening, where can they where can they find the restaurant? What's the what's the best way to? The best way is our website www.joelpalmerhouse.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, but I'm not really cool enough to be doing much on TikTok and Instagram yet. So. <laughs> amazing again thank you so much for your time chris my pleasure thank you thank you again for listening it means the bloody world to me and thank you very much to chris zanecki for his time if you enjoyed the podcast please be sure to rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, acast or wherever you listen to podcasts it's something i wanted to talk to you guys about as well um if you follow me on social media you may be aware of a little mission I've kind of been on of trying to track down Nicolas Cage himself in the same way that Chef Robin Feld is trying to track down his pig. So I've kind of like shook every branch that I could. I got to the point where I can now say I have emailed Nicolas Cage's manager. I'm not sure how many people can say that. Like, I, I genuinely, when I started this podcast, never thought I would be at a place where I could say I have emailed Nicholas Cage's manager. Unfortunately, he told me Nick is not interested at this moment. But one of the biggest tidbits I got from his email is he corrected me on my spelling of Nick. And I feel like Edward Snowden kind of dropping a massive bomb or like Julian Assange leaking this big bombshell on people but it's Nick with a K I'm not sure where this has come from that it's kind of seeped into popular parlance that it is N-I-C but it is N-I-C-K I'm not sure if you listening to this or if you've already read it on my Twitter or Instagram but that is mind-blowing stuff right that is Nick 
with a K. Um, it kind of overshadows the whole thing that obviously I got so close to the sun of speaking to the man himself. Although I probably didn't because there was probably never a chance even sending that email that I'd be able to speak to him. But I'm still going to press on. I think there are other ways in which I can try and speak to Nick Cage, whether it's that it's kind of trying to jump on some kind of junket when he's promoting a film here in the UK. Who knows? If you have any links to anyone, whether it is kind of uh, distributors in the UK who are putting out Nick Cage films, I know that Elysian films in the UK are putting out Prison of the Ghostland and Altitude films. Again, I've... I've emailed those guys. Uh, I've had I've, <laughs> I've had a reply. I sent a reply and a follow-up email, and uh, I haven't heard anything. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd update you guys on my kind of crazy search to speak to Nick Cage. It kind of very much feels fitting for a film where he plays a man searching for his pig, and I guess in a way. Nick Cage is very much my prized truffle pig to this podcast, so it almost feels fitting that I would talk to him about this film and obviously try and sneak in some questions about other beloved films from the past, if I could be so bold. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, just wanted to fill you in on that. So I've been Petrus Pat Syllabus. This has been another caged in pig cast remember to keep it caged in and i'll catch you next time planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. 
please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.